Hello, everyone, and welcome to Table Talk. We're so glad that you have tuned in and watching online, and we want you to be involved tonight, engage um, with us tonight. It's going to be a great time. We want to build traction on this particular program. In my opinion, this is one of the most important programs we've done this year, and we've done a lot of them. You know, we have had Ron Carpenter, Samuel Rodriguez, Real Talk Kim, one of our guests tonight we've had previously, and he's one of the leading voices in America today. I was just going over his itinerary with him, and he's one of the busiest men that I know. But listen, here's what we need you to do right now. We need you to hit your share button, okay? Everyone hit your share button. And another thing, please comment. Comment creates, when you're commenting, it creates traction. And of course, hit those hearts and thumbs. And could you do us one other favor in the comments? Would you mind tagging a few friends tonight? If you tag some friends, they'll get on. Listen, what we're going to share tonight is going to be revelation. And it is going to help us to be projected from a historical past into a prophetic future. There's going to be movement tonight in the lives of people that watch and are involved in, this, in the discussion tonight. Um, God is good, and he's good all the time. I'm going to go ahead and welcome our guest tonight. Bishop Tony Miller from The Gate is with us, and we celebrate him as a patriarch. I, I want to slow down on this man because he is a patriarch in this city. He's been here for a quite a while. And when I came here, Bishop, can you believe it's been three years Wow. No. It's been three years in November. That I'm shocked. It seems like three months ago, you and I were sitting in a Mexican restaurant <laughs> eating food, talking about me coming here. And it's three years later. Wow. And the Lord spoke to me when I moved to this area. And he told me, go through the proper gates. And you were the first one he told me to talk to. And we just want to tell you how much we appreciate the way you have stood as a spiritual father in this region and led this region in many dimensions. And we celebrate you tonight. The Bible is very clear about honor. It says, give honor where honor is due. So we celebrate you, Bishop. And thank you for, I know how busy you are. You flew in, I think, today. And to take time tonight to be with us, I can't tell you what that does to our hearts. Thank you for doing that. And I'm so excited about the new gentleman joining us tonight. This is Pastor Michael McDaniels of Northeast Missionary Baptist Church, long-standing church in this community, a staple in the community. Right before we came on, I asked Pastor McDaniels how long the church has been in this area. 37 years, Pastor. And we celebrate you tonight, sir. Thank you also for taking time. I know you guys are extremely busy but many lives will be reached tonight through this program. And again, just thank you. Heartfelt gratitude to both of you. We're going to talk about um, three things tonight. And I want you to just feel free to relax and give all the revelation you have concerning these subjects. I just think it's real cool, all right, that pastors in the same region would get together and have this kind of discussion and I want to open this table talk up by talking about the power of unity and the effort that is required and the intentionality that it takes to accomplish that goal of unity. And maybe you guys can kind of give us your definition of unity and what you feel about that. And Bishop, I'm going to ask you to start us off, if you don't mind, please. 
Well, thank you. First of all, let me just say it's a great joy and honor to be with you, uh, Pastor Rick. And uh, you was very gracious to me, but we give great honor to the gift, the call of God on your life, the influence you've had not only here in Oklahoma City, but across the nation uh, for a long, long time. So thank it's an you, honor sir. to be with you and to be with uh, Pastor Michael and the influence that he carries in our city. I'm honored. Thank you. Yes, sir. You know, um, I think I think a lot of times we have thought that if we could get everybody to agree on the same thing, we'd have unity. Yeah. The reality is that's just probably as long if you know, I found out in church life that if you have three people in the room, there's four opinions because <laughs> at least one of them is going to be double minded. So yeah. we uh, we recognize that trying to get everybody to uh, come together in the same thing is not really what happens. Ephesians chapter four says that there is a manner in which people walk where they live and present themselves in a worthy manner. Okay. Calling that's on their life, right? We walk worthy. We walk reflective of uh, the Christ who lives in us. And then he says the next thing is, is that we have to take on this attitude of humility. Uh, and the third verse says, and when that happens, we preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Mm. So I really actually think that the operation of spiritual unity is first organic because the Holy Spirit's present. Wow. And when the Holy Spirit's not present, we can't preserve something he creates. Wow. In fact, most of the time we tear up something he's trying to put together. Yeah. But in order to get there, I think it begins with a reflection on whose I am. Mm -hmm. So when I realize I, I don't represent my cause, I don't represent my culture, I don't represent the, the club I'm a part of, I first and foremost represent Jesus. I walk in a manner worthy of the one who has redeemed me. Yes. I've bought with a price. My life is not my own. And so I have to acknowledge that Jesus is the highest authority in my life because there have been many times in my life that there have been people and events that didn't suit my preferences, mm -hmm. but they were God's assignment and God's people in my life. Wow. And I had to yield to the Lordship of Christ. And that takes a spirit of humility. Yeah. You know, when, when, when we acknowledge that, you know what, I'm not comfortable in everything that goes on here. I don't necessarily even think like everything that's present, but I'm willing to take on this attitude of humility where the Holy Spirit can cause me to fit with people. Watch this, who have been assigned to me. Come on now. Right. Not just yeah. people that are in my life, but people that have been assigned to me. Yeah. So Rick, this is one of the things I learned, you know, in, in a couple of months, I'll be then been leading for 43 years in a local church. Wow. So that's a long time. Yeah. So when you, when you realize that every time God wants to enlarge your life, he brings somebody into it. Mm. So if, if God's going to take you to an enlarged place, he's going to bring somebody into your life. Yeah. But every time the enemy wants to distract your life, he brings somebody into it. Wow. So you have to be discerning who's coming, who's going. Yeah. Because everybody that's coming is coming for some reason. Mm -hmm. And the ones that God has assigned to you, when you are willing to allow God to fit you together, because you take a spirit of humility that says, you know what? I, they don't have to always agree with me theologically. They don't have to, we don't have to do our churches the same way. We don't have to all sing the same songs, but the spirit of God that's resident in him or her, and the spirit of God that's in me is bearing witness that we are supposed to be in a relationship here for something greater than ourselves. 
then we begin to preserve that unity. And when that happens, you know, the latter part, the middle part of chapter four of Ephesians says, we come out with a body that is mature, no longer tossed to and fro. Yeah. And they don't like anything because they become mature in Christ. Right. And I think it all begins with us learning how to walk in that place of unity. That is so strong, Bishop. And, you know, just to caveat just for a moment on, on your thoughts, the thought of unity to me, and, and you and I were on together a few weeks ago on your program, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. And I said this in John chapter 17, when Jesus said, make them one, Father, even as you and I are one. He did not pray, Lord, make them the same. He right. said, make them one. And I think when we get to a place, as you have alluded to, that we can embrace diversity. Diversity embraced is unity achieved in my, in my mind. And unity, unity achieved is power released. And mm -hmm. then people are changed and the world is reached. But it has to start with unity. And unity is not unison. It's not the sounding of one note. <clears throat> unity is the sounding of more than one note that creates that chord that we talked about when we were on your program, and I don't want to rehash that, but it's really, in my, it's really in my spirit. And, you know, I don't think the enemy comes to a region or a territory like Oklahoma City and Norman, this area, to see if we're all in the same room. He just wants to know if our hearts are open to integrate our lives together like we're doing tonight. And when he sees that, he's going to back up because a unified front is a threat to the enemy's intentions. So, Again, you know, to look at this panel tonight, you see that diversity in our histories, where we all came from, and I think it's very unique. And this is a great, great effort and intention to move the kingdom of God forward. And Bishop, your dialogue opens that door widely for us. Pastor Michael, with all the polarization we're seeing in the nation, the division politically, race, you name it, it's everywhere um, what, what is your thoughts on this subject of unity and, and give us your insight. So, so thank you so much again for extending to me this opportunity. And again, I, I feel like, like Gideon, I'm the least in this, in this conversation, no. but, but it just so happens to be that, uh, I've been praying and, 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 and looking through, uh, scripture as it relates to unity, because, uh, it's, it's interesting because one candidate says, let's make America great again. And another one um, talks about uh, restoring it in some way. Uh, both speak to a level of unity, but but really not at the heart of it. And so here's what I want to say. Thank you so much for what both of you have said, because unity is not unison. It's not the same, uh, because all of us have different fingerprints, right? We all have a different identity. Even when you look in, uh, in Corinthians and Paul's writings as it relates to the body of Christ and the Lord joints and fits because <clears throat> I, I, I'm one body, but my foot doesn't look like my hand. And so it speaks to your idea of diversity. And even in the book of James, James talks about if one comes in and he doesn't look like much and y'all pay attention to the one who does. Uh, and he really talks about standing together in unity. Here's, here's what I think unity is, right? Unity is, the enemy of unity is not necessarily the enemy on the outside, but it is those on the inside okay. who, who have a false perspective and idea about what unity is, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what pushes us in our corners because it doesn't look like us. It doesn't sound like us. 
It, it doesn't preach like us. Its doctrine is not the same as us. But, but the one commonality in unity is essentially the spirit of God, mm. right? So, yes. so it has to be God who, who, as the bishop says, fits us together, who brings us together. And we acknowledge, though we are different, we are established on the foundation by the unity of that triune, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that begins to bring unity. And, and though they are the same and they, they all have different functions, and so we have to realize that diversity is unity, right? Yeah. It is, how can we appreciate the rainbow uh, without all of its colors? But, but, but we don't look at the rainbow in part. We see the rainbow as one. Wow. And, and I think... <clears throat> And the way the Lord is leading me in this new year, uh, that is my preaching emphasis moving into 2021. And that is the Lord to me in this pandemic is speaking to us about why are we not together, mm. right? Why are we pushed to our little corners, doing our little things? But he's saying to us as the universal body of Christ, why can't we do more together? Yeah. Let me, let me ask this question, powerful stuff, my, Pastor Michael. Thank you for your insight. Let me ask this question, guys, going forward here. You mentioned the pandemic in 2020 and what a challenge it has been to, to all of us. I, I'm gonna, I don't think I've asked this question on this table talk all year, so I'm going to ask it tonight, though. How has it changed you and your, and your presentation or representation of ministry, the way you do ministry, I'll start out and saying, you know, when it first hit and we shut the doors, I was preaching to an empty building. Pastor Michael, have you started having services again yet or no? No, no. So, so we basically have just essential workers, if you will, to, to pull off a, a live service at the end of the day. Right. And yeah. Bishop, y'all are having service, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and we, and we are too. And, and, you know, we were talking before we started and we'll get into that for in just a moment but so my presentation or representation the way I do my preaching was a challenge because no one was in this building when you're Pentecostal you feed off the people you know it's this it's this synergy can I get some help in the building can somebody and somebody shouting back at you you know with a white hanky and come on with it talk about it and you kind of feed off of that you know and it creates of, you know, an incredible environment and atmosphere. So <laughs> preaching to an empty building, it really helped me. And I've been doing ministry. March will be 40 years, Bishop, 40 years I've been in ministry. And I found myself learning. And the Lord spoke to me and said, learners in this season will be leaders in the next season. Mm -hmm. People don't want to know what you think you know. They want to know what you're learning right now. And one thing I learned is to pace my preaching at a different cadence, to slow down. And it, and it really helped me in a lot of ways. I, something else I learned is to really be patient with people. Because as we are trying to navigate through this pandemic, so are they. And they're trying to make right decisions for their family. That, two weeks ago, we had one family that left the church because we were not being strong enough about mask. The next day we had a family that left the church because we were being too strong about mask. And right. so it's almost like you can't do it right, you know? So I'm learning to be very patient and it's changed me 
My whole approach to ministry has been adjusted in a very mature way. What ways has, has this year affected you personally, not in regards to your family, because I know that helped us all, but in regards to your, your approach to ministry? Uh, Bishop, let's, let's go back to you. Um, let me answer that in, in, in two terms. Okay. Um, the first one is, uh, you know, several months even prior to uh, this, this year, we had begun to sense I'm not saying we sense anything about COVID that we didn't, we were not that prophetic, right? but we sensed that there was a major shifting happen in how we had to approach ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of them was that what God was saying to us, you need to move from complexity to simplicity. Wow. And that things were going to move into greater places of simplicity. And here's what I want to say. And you guys can probably recognize this complexity is easier. Yeah. It's a lot easier to spin 20 plates than to focus on one. Mm. And so in the middle of that, we began to say, okay, what are the things that really the New Testament church did that was so simple? Things like discipleship, fellowship, prayer. These, these were just things that were a part of their life. And so in COVID, we began to say, it's a great time for us to begin to simplify. Mm -hmm. And what we found, uh, uh, Pastor Rick, was that we found that there's a lot of things we were doing we didn't really have to do. And, you know, right now, I mean, I, I, I speak to pastors every week, almost without exception, somewhat. Yes, you do. I was on today, I was on television program today, <clears throat> live from Lahore, Pakistan, and I spoke to all the Middle Eastern countries, under underground churches today. Incredible. But one of the things that is that is so true worldwide is nobody's preaching to a mega church. Mm. Nobody's standing in front of 10,000 people preaching to them on Sunday. True. So if you had built your whole ministry and your whole effect of evangelism around whether you had the right lights, smoke machines, backgrounds, wow. whether or not you had the right singers, if you, if, you, if you had all the appeal and the tractional stuff, it all went out the window. Yeah. That's gone. So thank God, maybe it's best because maybe we're back to the simplicity of the gospel. We got to once again, believe the message. Mm -hmm. The second thing it did to me in my preaching, and I, I, I hope I can relate this really accurately, is that I'll use it out of an illustration. If I, if, can I take two minutes and do please, this? Please, please. Yes, sir. Preach in, John, in John 11, Jesus gets word that trouble is happening at Mary Martha's house, that Lazarus is sick. Mm -hmm. And he does not respond the way they wanted him to. See, I just believe we got people that started praying in, in March. This thing would be gone by Passover. Yeah. And it ain't gone. And now they, 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 they're like Mary and Martha. They're ticked. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus finally shows up four days later, they, we didn't come out of the house. They're mad. This is their friend. This is Jesus. Come on. They wouldn't even come out of the house because he has not responded to their need the way he thought they thought he should have. And I just believe there are a lot of people tonight. There's a lot of people not even tuning into their online services anymore. That's Barna true. says that most people in a local church are only attending their online service once a month, much less going to the house. That's right. So they're just listening to whoever, whatever guy they want to pull up this week, they pull up and wondering why their faith begins to become unstable because you are, you're supposed to be planted in a house. Yes. God assigned you to a voice, 
But when Jesus doesn't respond the way you want him to, it's easy to get very upset and go, I'm mad. I don't like this. And so he shows up, Mary Martha aggravated. They said to him, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Here's what, here's what touched me. You talk about what changed me in COVID. The Bible says Jesus showed up with a plan, knowing what he was going to do. Yeah. He was going to be for the glory of God. That's right. They didn't know. But rather than have a prayer line or a praise service, mm. the Bible says the next thing he did, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, it said Jesus wept. Yeah. He entered into their pain. Mm. And I just want to suggest tonight that one of the greatest things that we have got to learn in this season, whether it be the pandemic and the fear whether it be social disruption, whether it be racial tension, it is so easy for us as pastors to stand up and pontificate and give people solutions and answers and we're going to fix it and the power of God's going to fall and everything's going to be all right. Jesus, did; he knew all that was going to happen, yep. but he stopped first and said, let me show empathy. Let me enter into your pain. And when he entered wow. into their pain and wept with them, then the next thing he said to them was, take me to where you're leading. In other words, take me to the place you quit believing. And that's Ooh, where I'm man. And I believe tonight there are people that are watching us that in this season, they've been disappointed because God's not responded the way they thought he should. Yeah. And we as his representatives, his servants, need to not be just fixers of problems. I think sometimes we just need to show up and enter into their pain sure. and say, you know what? God feels that's the reason we have a high priest who can be touched yeah. by the feelings of yes. our infirmity. Yes. Enter into their pain. And then out of it, we begin to respond to all the things that the supernatural power of God can do. Take me to the place you quit believing. Cause at that point I'm going to begin to start working and I'm going to bring life out of death. Incredible. Wow. You have preached in here tonight, Bishop. We can close now. What a word. Well, let me say this to you. You know, Paul wrote to church at Corinth and he said, I fear lest by any means you have been corrupted from the simplicity that is in the gospel. And it's so interesting. I brought a whiteboard in my office the other morning with my administrator and we wrote down all the ministries in our church, you know, tons and tons of ministries. And then we erased it. And I looked at him and I said, the Lord spoke to me and said, get back to simple. So you, if, if this table talk is for no one else, it's for me tonight because you just confirmed to me what the Lord has spoken to us. I met with some leaders last night and told them, get ready to get back to simple, the yep. basics of church and worship. And so thank you for that confirmation. Pastor Michael. Well, listen, um, my, my pastor would say, woe to he who thinks he can put a period at the end of a sermon. But Bishop, I think I just need to put a period there. <laughs> Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is I just uh, hosted a preaching expository preaching conference on the pandemic with a friend of mine, Pastor Brian Carter at the Concord Church in Dallas and another guy named Moses Gordon uh, in, in New Orleans. And, and one of the thing is, is preaching to the audience of one. Right. So if you go back into antiquity, the priest had an audience of one. He did not have a church. He went behind the holies of holies and talk to God. Yeah. And the preacher has to get back 
in the preaching moment to talking to God. Though he's talking to people in the congregation, you and I know that in the preaching moment, it is us talking to God, communicating his truth to other people. And that's why in the Baptist tradition, we say, I feel my help coming here, right? Yeah. Because it is, it is far more than a conversation with me and the people is between us and God. And Pastor uh, Hawkins, you're talking about slowing your cadence down and, and doing all of these things, right? So, so now when you start talking about the simplicity of preaching or the simplicity of worship, uh, we cut in the fat at church, right? There's That's no right. need of having all of these ancillary things when the truth of the matter is we, we need the word of God, right? Yes. We, we can put the music and everything else with it. But it, it has refocused us on what's the priority of preaching and church versus all of the other things, the pop pop in circumstance, right? right? Now we can go on this online service for 40 minutes and strictly speak about the word of God. So, so for us, it has, like you guys have said, to, to, for lack of a better term, it has leveled the playing field. There, there's no mega church right now That's because right. Uh, all of us are evaluating metrics on Facebook and so on and so forth. Listen, all we got now is is this simple word of God and Come a on, camera Pastor. to articulate the truth about what we feel uh, about our convictions about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, it has really pushed us back to the truth of the word. That That's simply it. Incredible. Eric. You guys, you guys are rolling tonight. I, I appreciate the encouragement you're bringing and know this pastors are watching tonight or will watch this this week. And so these words that you're bringing are going to help preachers across this nation. You know, the Bible says of Samuel, the first time it talks about his ministry, the Bible says as a boy, Samuel ministered to the Lord. And what you said, Pastor, is so correct. It's time for us to preach what we hear in our prayer closet, not what we're reading out of books. And that ministry to God being first and priority is going to bring power back to our preaching. And I think that's where God has us at this moment. Uh, one more comment from both of you guys on church now and church next. And uh, Bishop, we'll start with you. And, and uh, th this, this is super good, guys. Bishop? Well, if I can, Pastor Rick, you know, one of the things that, that I feel is that our culture has an insatiable appetite for next. Our world is built around what's next, what's next. Mm -hmm. And the whole marketplace, the technological world, even our political world now, everything is what's next, what's next. Let's get on with it. Let's get on to next. And what do you do when you're in a pause moment that God initiated? Yeah. Because the tendency is, I want to know what's next. I mean, even, even the phone that I got right here, which I won't reveal the name of it because they might not want me to say this, but the phone I have right here, the company that runs this, this phone is one of the biggest companies in the world. Yep. But they release this phone to, so they can get it on the market ahead of their competitors, even when they know it has bugs in it. Yep. That's why you have updates. Right. So sometimes the church world keeps saying, well, how are we going to get it all right? 
And, and the reality is God's not going to give us an all right next. Mm. I think we're going to have to learn how to listen and hear his spirit speak to us. Mm-hmm. Because here's what I really believe heaven. Earth cries for what's next. Mm. Heaven always cries for who's next. Wow. Because he's working in us. I believe this pandemic moment has paused the earth so people could become reset, recalibrated in their own hearts so they could begin to embrace God's next. But as long as we kept on at our pace, our speed, our emphasis, our agendas, then we were moving into next, but it wasn't necessarily the things that were changing the earth. Yeah. So I think God put us in a pause moment and he's trying to figure out now who's next, mm-hmm. who are going to, who's going to be the fountainhead of a new generation. Wow. Who's going to be the initiators of new church systems that bring people back to simplicity. Yeah. Who is it that's going to quit living by the metrics that were given to us in a moment of craving success and notoriety? And who's going to go back to what Pastor Michael said, really just saying, I am content to speak to an audience of one, even if 5,000 are sitting in front of me, wow. because I recognize now that's what I was called to. So I think while we are all saying, what's next going to look like? What's church life going to look like? Which is a genuine question. I think in this divine pause moment, God's asking, who's next? Mm-hmm. Who is it that'll slow down enough to hear my voice, not live out of their experience, but actually live out of the leadership of my spirit? Mm. Because every time you base your faith on what you've experienced, you always minimize it. Mm. Because your experience is never all God can do. No. Wow. Yep. Incredible. Pastor Michael? Well, yeah, you keep you keep tossing those volumes up, and I have to follow. But but let let me say this: um, <laughs> you, you talk about next. I, I think to think next is on one level carnal, and I think when you start talking about what God does in the spiritual realm, it's counterintuitive to what's next, right? Because he's it's it's always it's not necessarily new but it's beyond the expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when, when they ran out of that wine uh, in Canaan and, and then Jesus turns it into to, to wine, uh, the water into wine, it was better than the wine, which was counter uh, culture wow. in the sense that the best wine was served first, the worst wine was served last, mm-hmm. right? So then it blows the people away because we don't even know what better is until we've run out of our best. And this pandemic has taken our best and God is saying, I have better. I got something counter uh, intuitive, not even on your level of thinking, God has something different for us. And here's what I'll say to you, uh, Bishop and Pastor, I don't think that it is something new. I think a bit of what God gives us are those foundational things that he's always given us, that he's always done. And then we're, we are so um, misguided in our vision. We're looking for something more. And God is saying, no, it's the same old faith. It's the same old prayers. It's, it's the same old commitment. It's the same old sacrifices that I'm looking for the people of God to do. But put an emphasis on that, put it on our minds with the simplest things in life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree, Pastor. Very good. Very strong. Very strong. In fact, Pastor Rick, uh, just picking up on what Pastor Michael said, if it's okay, you know, when Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, they were in the, uh, in the midst of the Roman Empire was doing really what our world is right now. It was chaotic. And uh, he told Timothy, he said, you're going to have to rekindle your faith. Well, when you rekindle something, you don't go get a new stick. You get a stick that's already been in the fire, but you put it back in the fire. Come on. It's not been in, it's not been up close to the fire and you have to stir it and get it back up close to the fire mm -hmm. so that it is rekindled. And I just really believe that there are some very simple things of the gospel, like Pastor Michael just shared, that are going to be rekindled. We're yeah. going to come back rekindling, uh, taking up your cross and living a sacrificial life. We're going to rekindle what it means to really have a committed prayer life where we listen. We don't pray for prayer's sake. We pray to hear Yes. That, that's a novel idea. Yeah. You know, most people just try to figure out if I can pray more. I need to pray more. Well, uh, Muslims pray more than you do. Hindus pray more than you do. Yeah. Prayer is not the issue. The issue is not praying. The issue is listening. Can right. you hear? And I think those are very simple things that have been here a long, long time that God is restirring in our lives. Right on, Pastor Michael. One last, one last thing here. I want you guys to speak to believers that belong to churches and give them some instruction or direction, you know, for the coming weeks, months, year, and then to pastors. What would you say to pastors right now? Pastor Michael, what, what would you say to the people of God first and then to pastors as far as fortitude and future is concerned? Um, I, I, I guess I would say this, um, there's an old song that we sing in, in, in our church, in our culture says, hush, I hear someone calling my name. Mm -hmm. I think that the people of God have to find the quiet, still place to hear the voice of God. Right. And I think the pandemic has literally turned down the decimals and the volumes of life so that we are able to hear his voice. Mm. I would say that to the people of God, but I would also say that to those who are carrying and who are the heralders of the word of God. Mm -hmm. But then I would also say this, is that those of us who are standing proclaiming this truth, which we all have been called to do so, is to continue to be faithful in that, right? Yep. Because like we've alluded to, God is not asking us to say a new thing. He's really quieting the world that we can hear the old thing. In our culture, in our context, we say it's the same old story on a Friday night and on a Sunday morning, right? So right. it is the same thing. So I would tell the people to listen, to hush, to hear the voice of the God. When storms and life would come and tornadoes, and when I grew up here in Oklahoma City, my grandmother would say, hush, God is talking to us. The pandemic is going, hush, God is trying to talk to us. Mm. But this pandemic is not the first time that God has tried to turn down the volume of your life. He's tried to turn it down through situations, through circumstances to get you to be quiet, to hear. And the preacher has to be faithful in proclaiming the truth of God. Bishop, I've wow. got a feeling Pastor Michael can preach. What do you think? I think so. I'm going <laughs> to show up on the Northeast side one Me Sunday. too. I'm yeah. going to Northeast Missionary Baptist on Sunday just to hear this man <laughs> preach. This man's saying something tonight. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, really Absolutely is. incredible. Bishop, to the people and to the pastors. Uh, to all the people and to pastors, um, a very simple principle. Whoever is 
informing you is mm. forming you. Mm. Whatever it is that you, wherever it is you get your information from is what your life's going to be shaped like. Yeah. And if you spend your whole life right now getting your information from social media, national news broadcast, uh, grandma down the street, then yep. your life is going to look like the world looks right now. You have to be willing to let God take you higher. Mm. There is a higher perspective of what God's doing. John, the revelator at the end of chapter four in revelation, he's done finished writing to seven churches. We're only 70 years after the, at most only set, maybe not even 70 years after the crucifixion. And he's the world's a mess. Five out of seven churches are a mess. And he's like, you know, what are we going to do? And in chapter four, I mean, at the end of chapter three, in chapter four, the spirit of God says to John, come up here and I'll show you what must happen afterwards. Mm. In other words, get your perspective, get what you're hearing from a different perspective. And when you do, you're going to see something different and you're going to move into a triumphant Christ. I would say to everybody tonight, we are in difficult days. The church would be foolish to not acknowledge that. These are difficult days. Yes, sir. Difficult days for people. Today, Pastor Rick, I was on the phone with one pastor today who's got like 60 cases of COVID in his church. Oh, my. In his church. Three of them in intensive care. And I've got pastors from coast to coast in our network. Some of them in New York have not been in church since March. So some of them have had people die. There were seven pastors that died in a one mile square in the Bronx. Mm. These are difficult days. Today in Oklahoma, we got news that many people that were getting unemployment, not everybody, but some that were on unemployment are not going to get their checks before Christmas because the special programming for them ran out. Mm. So people were looking for something to be able to put a meal on their table or give their kids a doll for Christmas and they're not gonna get the funding. These are difficult days, but the world has faced difficult days before. Yes. And we have to get heaven's perspective or we will trust in horses and chariots. Yeah. We'll start, and can I say this? Please give me two minutes. Come on. Can I, we are in Advent season. It started last Sunday. I don't know if the rest of you guys preach Advent. It, it always is a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And November 29th, Advent began with hope. Right. And we're in Advent right now. And in, in old church, in antiquity and in, in historical church, they wouldn't sing Christmas carols during this time. They wouldn't sing Christmas carols until Christmas Day. Hmm. Up until now, they'd be singing, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Something got to come to me that's going to yeah. change my life because the whole Preach. world was up on their tippy toes looking for the coming, the arrival of something to show up. Yes. And you see that in December of 2020 in Oklahoma City, rather than us trying to look to Washington and look for a vaccine, maybe we ought to get up on our tippy toes and look for the coming one who's not coming for us to take us out of here, but who's coming to us to stand up on the inside of us in the midst of all this time and say, greater is he that's in you. Yeah. yeah. That's in the world. He's yeah. coming to us. Yeah. I believe even in this Advent season. My goodness, I feel the spirit of the Lord in this sanctuary right now. You guys have blessed us tonight, and I can't thank you enough. Pastor Michael, I know I can speak for Bishop on this regard. We open our hearts to you, my brother, and tell you we love you, we respect you, and we honor you. And if there's anything that 
the gate or quest can do to accent anything you're doing, enhance anything you're doing, we're available. Your insight and revelation tonight was incredible. And I just think it's awesome that you would come from a Baptist background and we can sit here and, and Pentecostal guys sit here and talk about the kingdom of God and how we can advance his kingdom in this moment in time. It's very strategic. And for you to do this tonight, Bishop and I both tell you, thank you for joining us. You are a blessing here. Is there any well, closing comments you have pastor? Let, let me just say thank you to those hands and hearts that kind of orchestrated my presence on here tonight. Uh, I certainly, over the last few years, uh, have uh, the Lord has just put me in some different places. Uh, you don't, you may not know this. I was ten years associate athletic director at Oral Roberts University over academic. So, so, so as much as I am Baptist, I, I do have a very uh, clear knowledge of of what's what's out there. And right. so, I, I uh, so I value that. I value my time at Oral Roberts University. And so. Um, so I'm really appreciative of this opportunity. Now, I play football at University of Oklahoma. I refer to it as Egypt because, Pastor, you got to know my time there. I just wasn't always doing right. So, yeah. uh, But the Lord has certainly grown me up since then. So, uh, But, man, honestly, thank you guys so much for even uh, letting a, a guy like me even come and share tonight. And thank you for your insight. And I do look forward to uh, future conversations beyond an online uh, kind of a table talk, but just personally. So love to connect one day absolutely pastor thank you bishop uh let me just say thank you to you pastor rick thank you for being a, a bridge builder and pastor michael i just really felt to say this i know that you know my congregation is largely uh, made up of about 30 different nations in our church over 50 percent of the people in my congregation are people of color and i just want to say to you thank you for the influence that you carry not only on the northeast side right. but really in our city and we honor you, and, and uh, we just want to say tonight, I believe that your entire neighborhood is experiencing a move of the Holy Ghost that is causing dead things to come back to life. Yes. I really felt this as you were talking a while ago, and I don't know if it's proper for me to say this, but I really yes. felt this, that, you know, Jesus doesn't come to make bad people good. Jesus comes to make dead people alive. Yeah. I believe that there is something he's not just coming to Oklahoma City, to all of us, to make things in our city that are bad good. I think he's visiting us to make things that have died come back to life. Wow. And when those things come back to life, we're going to see the glory of the Lord in a way like never before. Amen. Pastor Rick, thank you for being a bridge builder, for being an encourager, and for being my friend. I'm honored to be here with you tonight. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Folks, I want to encourage you to visit these men's websites, their social media platforms. Stay in touch with what they're doing and saying. You can see they're full of revelation knowledge, and God is using them in a magnificent way. Their mantle and their metron has a measurement that is huge. So connect with these men. Guys, we love you so much tonight. <laughs>